Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping we find each and every one of you in good form this morning. Our lines are open and Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. If uh, you want to contact us today, we would love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp us, of course, as well to 86 And we spoke yesterday about face masks on the programme and should we be wearing face masks? And I have to say, judging by the calls and the texts and the different commentary we got in from, from people. There was a mixed view. We were hearing from people who've already made the decision and they said that they never go out without a face mask and they feel a little bit more confident when they're out in public to be wearing a face mask and lots of people are wearing plastic gloves, disposable gloves when they're going into supermarkets and it gives them a little bit of of confidence about going out but you do need to be so, so careful particularly with the gloves. The gloves do not in any way replace the need for hand washing and you have to remember that when you've got the gloves on if you were to pick up the virus and anywhere when you're out you're going to pick it up on gloves as quickly and as easy as you, easy as you pick it up on your hands and it will remain on the gloves as it would remain on, on your hands you've got to be careful when you're taking them off uh, as well and of course we get the constant complaint from people who are really really good about keeping their area clean and people who go out and pick up other people's litter if you are deciding to wear disposable gloves will you please make sure that you dispose of them responsibly bring them home if you're wearing them for example going in and out out to a supermarket come back into the car with them take them off in the car have a little plastic bag with you or something and just dispose of them properly because there's nothing worse than seeing the amount of these plastic gloves that are turning up on our streets and out in our countryside and I'm assuming people are just opening the car window and tossing them out which is crazy crazy thing to, to do so please don't be doing that anyway back to the face masks and we were wondering yesterday and we thought yesterday we might hear some news from Dr Tony Houlihan from the Department of Health and whether they were going to make it mandatory or not to wear face masks when we're out in uh, public and commuters and shoppers will be advised is what we're told to wear face masks. This is under new advice due to be issued by the health chief. Still hasn't been officially issued yet. The government will some stage this week be telling us all to wear a homemade face mask on public transport and in supermarkets and they're hoping that this will begin the process of easing COVID-19 restrictions. People will be urged, we'll all be urged to make our own face masks rather than using medical masks which 
could be used by healthcare workers fighting the virus on the front line. But, and this is where I think some confusion will come in, it is not going to be mandatory to cover your face while in public. It will be suggested that it's a good thing to do, but the advice will not be mandatory. Now, there will be an information campaign. It'll also be launched telling the public how to wear the mask properly and reminding people that they only offer a certain amount of protection against the coronavirus. And that, again, has been one of the concerns about telling everyone to wear a mask that people may believe just because you have your face covered that you're safe and you're not. And I think that's one another one of the fear factors of making face masks mandatory. The National Public Health Emergency Team, NEFIT, has debated the need for guidelines on face coverings. And listen, they've been doing this for many, many weeks. That's, of course, the group led by Dr Tony Houlihan. He was expected to make a formal decision on face coverings yesterday, but it's now been delayed until later on in the week. Government sources are saying that Dr Houlihan is expected to advise the wearing of face coverings on public transports and if you're out in major retail outlets like out in the supermarkets. But Tony Houlihan indicated the guidance of the wearing of face masks will include advice on how to sew and make your own at home. Um, he's going to suggest that people go for cloth ones that they don't and he doesn't want people wearing the medical grade ones while out in uh, public. He said we don't need competition for people who need them in a healthcare setting and where someone has been directed by a doctor to wear them for medical reasons so all of the medical grade ones need to be kept uh, for those uh, people. So he says that there's going to have to be practical communications about face coverings and how to make them. Now he agreed and it was the first when I heard him talk about this I was saying that you know if you go and just google it on the internet it's probably one of the most googled things on the internet at the moment how to make your own homemade face mask there's lots of guidance there but the NEFET are also going to issue guidance on how to use them safely uh, he says the evidence is clear that if they're not used properly they can increase the risk of transmission and he warns that face co- coverings can become contaminated and can actually cause the virus to spread further. He said the risk of transmission of the virus is increased if people don't wash their hands or practice social uh, distance. So he said there is a right way to do this. They do not protect you entirely from the virus. And that goes back to my point about will it give people a false sense of security if everybody was wearing them. But you've got to be so careful with the way you put it on. And the way you take it off. And yesterday, actually, when we were when we were talking about it, you know, somebody messaged in seeing a lady in a shop who you know came into a supermarket, had her face mask on, and this gentleman said he couldn't help watch the number of times she fiddled with it, was fixing it, and then went to speak to somebody and took the face mask down, which is completely defeating the purpose of wearing a, a face mask. And actually, the Fianna Fáil leader Michal Martin he rode in on this debate yesterday on the use of uh, face masks. He believes that the general public we should be wearing it as part of a plan to reopen Ireland again. He also raised concerns about the level of testing and the contact tracing that's going on in this country but he was doing a radio interview yesterday and when he was asked he said yeah I do favour the the face masks. And then he told a story that he's got a sister-in-law who lives in Singapore and obviously they're in regular contact and FaceTiming and on the phone etc. And he said the sister-in-law in Singapore is constantly saying to them why are you guys 
not wearing masks because Singapore is a country, even before coronavirus, would have been a country that would have used in a lot of public areas, you would see people wearing masks. And so she can't understand, obviously, she's Irish, so she's following all the news from here. She can't understand when you look to what they're doing in Singapore. And Singapore have got a lot of things right and they haven't got everything right, but they certainly are one of the countries that was sort of put up as a poster child of how to do it right when it comes to coronavirus. And they certainly are a country that insist when you're out in public, you must wear a face mask. So that discussion still goes on and we're waiting for more guidance and expect we can expect more guidance on that at the end of this week. And the other issue I think that it's got a lot of people talking is to do with travel and holidays and people coming into this country and us leaving this country to go away on holidays. And the, obviously the European Union is very worried about the amount of money that's been lost through from the tourism industry right across the European Union. And they want to do everything they can to try to kickstart the tourism season in every single uh, country. So... If you're reading the papers today, Ireland could be among the first to have travel restrictions eased and that would be, this would be the the EU's thinking on it. And it's due to the low rate of infections and the deaths that we have in this country when you compare us to other European uh, countries. Now that obviously uh, could have major economic and tourism benefits, but the health implications would spark concern, obviously, in many, many quarters. We could find ourselves in a rather difficult position. We have our own roadmap and we have a very clear roadmap from the government and as to how we get out of uh, lockdown. But what will happen if we have people coming in from overseas, if we're in a position where the EU Commission's plans and for travel and tourism go against what we're doing in this country. It could cause a bit of conflict between Ireland and the EU. So it certainly is one to be watched. And because we're doing so well, we could be seen as a country that's safe and it's that's a great country to go on holidays. And normally we'd be welcoming all these people and saying, come in, we're a great country. But I think this is, this is one of the times where we're not quickly saying to people, we'd love to have everybody uh, come to Ireland and have a great holiday. Maybe not this year. Feel free to come next year. Anyway, we'll We'll wait and see what the EU are doing because they certainly have started talking about kickstarting tourism across the uh, continent and that could see travel restrictions li- lifted between member states and it would be based on the level of COVID-19 infection in each country and because we're doing well we could be seen as one of the countries where the EU would say lift uh, restrictions. And then if for ourselves thinking about going away on holidays, Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday warned people not to book summer trips abroad this uh, July and that was despite the plans by the airlines to start resuming some flight schedules. He very much put a dampener on any non-essential summer getaways and said the country is not ready to go on holidays uh, yet. He obviously, he was being questioned after Ryanair uh, made their announcement uh, yesterday to get back up and running and Ryanair are planning to operate close to 150 routes from Ireland and Michael O'Leary said it will begin on the 1st of July. He's hoping to restore 40% of their flight schedule by the mid-summer. Now, passengers they say will be subject to strict public health requirements it will include the wearing of face masks your temperature will be checked social distancing will be encouraged but I I note I noted from Michael O'Leary where it is possible and then when he was 
questioned on social distancing on a plane. He said the airline will continue to sell the middle seats where is some of the airlines in the States that have started to open up how they're doing social distancing on, on a plane. They are selling the aisle seat and the window seat but no one is allowed to sit in the middle seat so that gives some kind of distance between passengers on the same aisle but Ryanair is saying no they will sell all three seats in each aisle. F- since mid-March Ryanair they've just had a skeleton schedule I think 30 flights per day Ryanair have been operating uh, between Ireland and the UK and there's been some flights in Europe so now they're mapping out this plan to increase operations they reckon their plan is to have a thousand flights per day from the 1st of July and that's that would represent 40% of their regular schedule um, but it would re- restore connectivity to 90% of its uh, network. Now looking closer to home how many of the flights would be out of Ireland the plan would be to have 100 routes out of Dublin Ryanair are suggesting 20 routes out of here in Cork and 14 routes out of Shannon. Now it will be subject to restrictions on flights within the EU being lifted and the introduction of strict public health uh, measures and like I, I I heard Michael O'Leary speaking yesterday and you know he was asked about you know well how can anybody fly anywhere when there's the 14 day quarantine in most uh, countries he labelled that policy as idiotic and he instead called for increased airport checks to ensure holidaymakers for fly, to fly again so while there's a 14 day quarantine in place nobody's going to go on away on holidays unless you want to go on holidays and you're willing to have 14 days because most people's holidays at the very most will be 14 days unless you're willing to have the holiday and to quarantine instead. So Tony Hoolan was asked about those plans yesterday and he straightway advised people against uh, all non-essential travel. He said, I don't envisage the position will change in that time frame, obviously between now and uh, July. Um, airline travel outside of Ireland, will, he says, will involve social distancing. And he said, that's going to remain a huge, huge challenge. He also says, we don't want to see people coming here for for non-essential re- reasons. Ari said, we don't want to see people leaving for non-essential reasons. And obviously a holiday is in his books a non-essential uh, reason. He also you know, paid tribute to airlines and said they have been very cooperative but he would like them to continue to help in what is a public health fight against the uh, virus. And of course yesterday, this was at his daily press briefing on the day when he announced 107 new cases of the virus were diagnosed yesterday. Lowest total in many many weeks. But then straight away after that he announced 24 people were reported to have died from the infection. So we now have 1,000 488 people who have lost their lives due to the uh, coronavirus. He said he hoped more progress would be made by the end of this week. But I mean, he was buoyed by the fact that we had such a low number of newly diagnosed um, cases. And of course, we're still unclear as to when there's going to be a vaccine available. And then when a vaccine is available, when is there going to be enough globally for for everybody in the world who wants to get the vaccine to, to get it. There's so many questions before we can say yes we are absolutely ready for the world to open up uh, again. Uh, he, now he did concede that it isn't possible to continue depressing the economy and that also you know you can't pin people into their houses and loneliness is becoming a huge issue for so many people particularly for people who have been cocooning for such an extended period of time so you know he is conceding that we can't all live like this 
forever and we can't continue to do it for 18 months say until a vaccine is found so it's to try to get that balance we have to get that balance right he is saying that workplaces will just have to find ways of adapting and limiting the extent to which people come together and I think we're all we're getting there I think slowly but surely you know we're getting to the stage where social distancing has become the norm I mean when will we next shake hands with somebody? I mean, they say that's something we're not pro- certainly going to do for maybe two years before that, that. And then will it feel odd to shake hands with somebody again? And we're definitely getting good at social distancing and the two metre rule. And we're getting, and we do, but we just have to stay, stay good at it. And if anything, we need to get better uh, at it. And uh, interesting also yesterday at the press briefing, testing delays in testing because that's something we spoke with Dr Nick about uh, yesterday Colm Henry took that question yesterday uh, he was asked about the delays in virus testing and results and obviously of course if there's a delay in results and then somebody is positive there's a delay in contact tracing and he said the time to get a result is now averaging five days and the aim is to bring this down to four and then he hopes to have it down to three days but other experts are warning it's just till, still too slow, particularly as we're coming out of lockdown. We need to be able to pick up any increase in cases and we need to be able to pick them up as quickly as possible. Once a person is diagnosed as pos- po- positive, tracing their con- context contacts in straightforward cases can be done on the same day however it's taking longer and it can be more complex if there's language barriers or there's any other difficulties uh, like that and then of course the system for communicating negative results that's going to be automated from early next week it means that if you get a negative result almost as soon as your result is in you should be getting a text message message to say you're negative and that's important because that gets people back out to uh, work and people back to leading a normal life rather than somebody waiting for two weeks to be told oh by the way your test was negative and they've been self-isolating for the two weeks which is a complete waste of time for them and if you know if they were a, a key worker for example a frontline worker uh, when they're needed back at their their post uh, so that's some good news that we will have that automated negative results from early next week again it's one of those things I think that should have been worked on much much uh, quicker but it's waiting on test results we need to get we that's the one focus we really need to get working on that before we can really properly open up this uh, the, the country and get out of lockdown and actually I have a a family member who was tested uh, yesterday. She works in a healthcare setting. So, and, and I was talking to her yesterday evening, and uh, I asked her. I said, "Please let me know." So, I've, I've made a note on the calendar when she had the test yesterday. Uh, so, I'd be interested to see how quickly will she get her test results because we're being told by the HSE, we're being told that you know tracing and um, testing results are averaging now five days but they're hoping to bring it down to four to four days and then down to three days so it's great to have a personal study a personal case of somebody that I know just to count the days of how long she waits for her result Electricity bills a couple of calls in on electricity bills and actually people were tying it in with remember Dave joined us yesterday from Dave Scully of Scully's Butchers in Clonakilty and he was talking about his air bill his phone bill suddenly went up for no reason and he's in dispute with air and I know we're trying to get on I don't think we got anything back yet from air on that just to try to see if we can expand his disagreement with air just to find out why the bill has gone up so much but that led to some people then talking about electricity bills 
A couple of calls in on this. Angela is in Skibbereen and she's noticed her electricity bill has increased, particularly over the last six months. She said she is now paying about €150 for her bill, a bill that used to be between €90 and €100. And Emer in Charleville was on about the same thing. She reckons over the last two years she's noticed the electricity bill going up and she's wondering, is it the carbon charge? Is that all making a massive uh, difference? So I just did a quick Google search to see has electricity gone up and I know back in February Electric Ireland were saying that they were reducing the cost of their electricity price. The last price increase I can find was in April of last year. So I don't know if there was any price increases in 2020. Now there may have been an increase with the carbon tax but I... uh, My theory on on my electricity bill absolutely has gone up as well. But I'm putting it down to the fact that there's more people at home. We're, We're all at home more and that more electricity has been used. And I know I read a piece that they were going through what we're all buying in the supermarkets, you know, what's the top thing we're buying and what are supermarkets seeing an increase in. And one of the things that came up, I mean, obviously the toilet rolls and all that at the beginning of the pandemic, there was the rush on the toilet paper and then there was rush on pasta and on rice. But one thing that most supermarkets have noticed an increase in is dishwasher tablets that we're using our dishwasher a lot more and that to me is down to the fact that we're spending more time at home we're eating more at home there's more dishes need to be washed so if we're buying more dishwasher tablets the dishwasher has been used more and what does the dishwasher do? It uses electricity so that would be my theory I don't think it's got to do with anything going up I think it's just down to the amount of electricity we're using and of course the only way you can see that is if you have old electricity bills and work out how many units you had been using this time last year versus what you're using now. So are other people noticing that? Electricity bills higher and is it purely just down to the amount of ele- the amount of electricity we are all using? And somebody was on about their, the NCT uh, test, wondering what's happened. Their car is due for NCT. All of the NCT centres closed uh, at the end of March I'm sure it was when they all closed and everybody's NCT certificate is extended by four months and the example I've been given is somebody whose NCT was due in May this month of 2020 they are now not due for their NCT until September of 2020 so you add four months onto your NCT now will that change Possibly. It all depends on how quickly and how soon we come out of lockdown and how soon the NCT centres reopen. But I mean, if you get stopped by the Gardaí and your NCT is out of date, it's it's a four month grace from when your NCT cert uh, ends. 1850-333-103. Jump all. And Sadie, taking your calls, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Fonsa Walcha, Lassie 103.
COVID needig on shutting air in Agus Kamwitz Fanox Oalia con Mudfain Agusakela a Cousins. And Nishna planned a Kui Kamina Aun Lahai on Tira Oskazurish. Because he unsucked the Dadig Baltana by Derla Cooper Strinta of the Aun Hanafain. Machan to Dunamak and being a Kugas at all, Fanga Vader Erelide or Guina Ella. Bigi Olaf Lister Shuppa Dorata Agus Nabi Brazal. Tor Aragonadini Ella Tasha Shuppa Agus Gunner Fern Eta Igo Brown. Matatu Dunamon Akliach the Tavemwe and Nishta Kadago Fana Voskuf Kui Kilometer Dembale. In I got kilometer. Matashivik Fanak Somali on Tamar Fad no cocooning, they cadak at Dulamak last year in Kui Kilometer, Aktor Aragon and Rielka for social distancing. Tais of Ingamin Shade Zakar of Vesamalia on Tamar Fad in the party. Akterash Quigna Bunrodi. Alina, Cardiot, Mirna Mari, Akastahukan. Fon Savalte, Fon Somalia. Lahai Tilla Olish, Fon Lin, RC 103. Now, Inclusion Ireland have released the results of a survey of parents of children with disabilities who are trying to home educate and it highlights the struggle these parents are going through. Mark O'Connor is Community Engagement Manager with Inclusion Ireland and Mark joins me. Good morning to you Mark. Good morning Patricia. And you're you're welcome to the programme. Now a a lot of parents listening to this programme will admit that they're struggling with home schooling but outline the difficulties that parents with children with an intellectual disability or children on the autism spectrum Outline the difficulties and the challenges they're facing. Sure, Patricia. I suppose, look, the, the, the first thing to say to parents is um, parents feel under a lot of pressure to home educate, but they must remember that the vast majority of parents are not teachers, so it's it's a matter of doing what you can. But I suppose the, the survey that we've um, conducted to which there were more than 700 responses um, it's indicating that uh, parents are struggling at home for a variety of reasons. Um, I suppose, number one, uh, children with intellectual disabilities and autism, they're missing school a lot. Um, and, you know, parents are really, really struggling to home educate, and it's for a variety of reasons. I suppose we asked parents what were the barriers to home education, and the, the, the biggest one was, um, the, I suppose, the child's motivation and the situation, you know, and, and that children saying, hang on, this is home, this is where I have my fun time and school somewhere else where I go to learn, so, you know, I'm not learning here, but more than one third of parents were trying to work from home, Mm. which proves extremely difficult to juggle home education and work, and then coupled with that, about 60 odd percent of parents had more than one child at home, so I suppose one one case that um, was a prime example was uh, one of the respondents in, in a free response told us that there were five children in, in her home, two two of whom had uh, special education needs and they were sharing two laptops between the five of them. Uh, and then coupled with that, the other thing is that there's a really, really great variance on the contact families are having with schools. So some schools are absolutely going above and beyond and they're organising virtual classrooms um, for a couple of hours a day and that's working really, really well. And then for a smaller amount of families, um, there's very little uh, contact from the school either by virtual means or phone call or written work being sent out. So I suppose the, the totality of it is that parents are struggling to home educate and I suppose it's really exacerbated then for children with um, the most significant intellectual disabilities and autism, where it 
really takes a highly skilled teacher to work with these guys and that's something that unfortunately they don't have access to at the moment. Yeah, and as you said, parents were never trained uh, to fill that role and, and interesting yeah. when you mention some of the schools really good with it with the virtual classroom uh, but again, that's fine but I would be aware and conscious of some of our listeners living in broadband black spots. Uh, you need to have really good high-speed broadband in order for virtual classrooms to work. Absolutely, Patricia. And, you know, it, it was one of the questions that we asked parents because um, we, we were mindful that um, in the adult um, intellectual and autism population that there is there is a technological divide. So we we asked parents um, and just slightly more than 10% of families indicated that they had no technology in the house whatsoever. That's a smartphone, a laptop, an iPad or broadband. It didn't have anything whatsoever. Um, just, you know, and what actually surprised me was that um, it, w- it was only just slightly over 55% said they actually had broadband. So that means there's either no virtual access or they're paying quite high rates for 4G access to to virtual stuff. Um, it, it, again, you know, uh, just going back to one of the free responses that we got, and it, w- it was from... listeners um, has contacted us to say I'm a full-time carer uh, to my child who has special needs. I am by myself on a daily basis. I'm wondering is there any support available for people like me trying to mind and parent a special needs child? It's a long hard day with everything being closed and cancelled and I'm doing this on my own. I'm a single parent. That's tough. Look at extremely tough situation and, and um, I, I, I can empathise with Mary. Now, what I would say is we're, we're aware of one scheme that's in its infancy at the moment and that is um, special needs assistance are being redeployed by uh, the health service executive. In you know, So I suppose families that are in the most need will get access to this first. Now, I'm led to believe it's going to be done in a virtual and public health safety way in that, um, you know, a family might get a call from a special needs assistant with some suggestions and then possible, uh, you know, po- possible um, activities sent out in the post. I, I, I would I would advise that person to, I would contact their local HSE manager or whoever the key worker that the family would have is, or even contact their local school to see if they have a lead on it. But that that's one service. Um it is extremely difficult for families at the moment. Now, we, we've asked um, for a meeting with the Minister to address a lot of the issues and hopefully would address some of Mary's issues because there's, you know, there's a lot going on there. You, you've, you've got the person who's parenting alone. They, they, you know, they're 24-7 in the home with, with a young person with uh, a disability and you know, the, the 
isolation is is you know it, it, it's been shown it's in a huge. number of studies from other countries. That it's huge, and and while it's children, we're you know we're talking about school yeah. going children. There's the other cohort, and I know you touched on it. Yeah. It's the the adult children with with special needs whose workshops are all closed, yeah. and they're all at home. Yeah, they they are closed at the moment, and it, it's something that um, late, later on in the week. Well, well something that's separate from the original survey, it's something that we are meeting the HSE about later on in the week because at the moment you have 20 odd thousand people in the country and day service provision has simply closed and it's a small handful that are getting access to what they call an outreach service. So I, I would say Patricia that if any of your listeners are in the situation where a family member um, who previously accessed day service is highly stressed and there's difficulties in the home, contact the HSE or your service provider straight away. There should be access to at least an outreach service to support that person for okay. a couple of hours okay. a day. Okay. Good advice. It's, 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 not as, it's not as it was previous, Patricia, and, and there's no point in me pretending it is, but there might be a little bit of support there to families. And people need to reach out. We're constantly saying that, uh, saying that to people. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. suffer in silence. But going back to the children, um, yeah. Mark, are they also missing out on things like speech and language therapy and occupational therapy that would be available in the school setting? Uh, yeah, I, I look at absolutely, Patricia, and, and I'm mindful you guys are down in Cork there. Um, sorry, I'm I'm contacting you here from at home in County Loud, okay. but uh, look, I I know that parents down in Cork are to the pin of the collar, even even before the crisis, that speech and language and occupational therapy and psychology, the waiting lists were absolutely out the door in Cork, where, where families would be waiting a long time. Now, however, since the pandemic has begun, they've literally stopped, um, and. Parents, in response to our survey, were very, very clear that they need access, you know, to, to help them through this current period where their children are at home. They need access to behavioural psychology. They need access to speech therapy. They need access to occupational therapy. And the, the Department of Education and the agency, they have these resources, and it's quite easy to deliver these in virtual means because a lot of what speech therapists do is empower parents and give parents exercises to do with, with their family member um, once the consultation has taken place. So that that would be a wonderful support to parents. And, you know, we're, we're saying it very clearly to the minister and to the agency that this is something they, they can easily and very quickly put in place for families. Right, because I'm assuming that without the routine that some of these children so rely on, it's leading to challenging behaviour. Look, it, it is, and there's, there's no getting away from that. Um, what, what came up in the survey, um, you know, while we didn't specifically ask around those questions, once we, we had hundreds upon hundreds of free responses in relation to the questions, and once we delved into those, there was two groups of children that were coming out as being particularly in need, and we'd ask the Minister and, and the HSE to really look at the needs of these young people. It's... Um, Children with complex behaviour needs and learning needs, these guys, just, just as, as Mary was saying early on, they're stuck in the house 24-7. They're used to a certain routine. They're used to being out and about. They're used to being active. They're used to going to school. And it takes a highly skilled teacher to work with those young people. And also the other group that came through were children with complex medical needs. Now, there, there, there's a small cohort of children that the agency support. There's only about four or 500 of them. These guys have been going to school, but 
because um, it's likely these kids won't be back at school for quite a period um, mm. on, until there's a vaccine, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, and, and there needs to be some sort of home education going in for both of those groups. Obviously, when um, public health measures um, allow for it, but for the department, they really, really need to be top of their priority list. Yeah, somebody's asking, uh, does Mark think there's any chance of July education? Because, of course, uh, children on the autism spectrum and some children with um, intellectual disabilities get that extra month of education in schools that doesn't happen in, in primary school. That's gone, is it, for this year? Uh, it, it, look, it, it, it's extremely difficult to tell. Now, we, we, we have called on the Minister and uh, to, if, if at all possible, through public health measures to allow it to happen because... I suppose it, it, when when you look at this cohort of children, um, they're already educated in quite small groups in school. Yeah, so good. you know, if if an extra teacher was pulled in, we we could create smaller classes. Now, this is obviously with public health measures, they, you know, and 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 they have to be taken first. But also, the other element of July provision is for um, teachers and tutors to go into young people's homes. Now, for some people, that might be able to be done in a virtual manner still throughout July. So we would certainly ask the the Minister to look at all options and, if at all possible, make the July provision available to to all young people with um, disabilities and and not just the usual cohort. Because going back to um, a very famous court case back in the 90s that that was a young man in Cork. Jamie Sennett. Paul Actually, the one even before that, Paul O'Donoghue's case. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the... the, 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 judge, the judgment recognised in that case that for young people with significant intellectual disabilities that a long time out of school has a detrimental impact on, on their education yeah. and can take months and if not years to catch up. So we would ask the Minister if at all possible to let it run but as, as your caller saying it's, it's very difficult to tell because you know, I suppose there's a plan in place for opening up the country and even two weeks ago, we didn't even think that plan would be possible. You know, numbers are going down of people presenting with COVID-19 um, that we didn't think possible a couple of weeks ago. So I suppose it, it's an ever-changing um, scenario, but we We'd be very hopeful that something would be in place. Okay, we'll watch this space. Listen, Mark, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Uh, Stay stay safe and we'll talk again. Take care. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Mark O'Connor there, who is the Community Engagement Manager with uh, Inclusion uh, Ireland and very much thinking of families who really are struggling with this whole trying to do homeschooling, just trying to cope from day to day uh, with children with special needs. It really, really is very, very difficult. Uh, 1850-333-103. Lines are open. Text. WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Adapting to being at home full-time can be challenging for everyone. Some of us are trying to balance working from home with homeschooling, and some of us are extremely lonely, with the days long and hard to fill. Make a new routine that includes some physical activity, social activity, and some timed breaks. If you've got kids, understand that they might be anxious and fearful about the current situation. Talk to them, acknowledge their fears, and reassure them. You can also build a strong relationship with your child through playing with them. It's also really important to stay connected to family and friends you can be with during this time so put your phone to good use 
stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. It's time to stay Due to COVID-19, cocooning is advised for all people over 70 years old. If a family member or friend is cocooning, here's some helpful advice. They should stay home and avoid face-to-face contact. Keep in touch by phone or online. Stay mobile by moving as much as possible. Go for a short walk while maintaining strict social distancing. Ask others to get shopping or medicine. Use the phone to contact their GP or other services. And remember, no visitors except for essential carers. It's time to stay This message is supported by Home Instead Senior Care. Their staff are fully equipped to ensure your loved one's safety in their own homes. See homeinstead.ie. For COVID-19 updates and information, stay listening to C103. Hi, Trish. I am an SNA in a secondary school and I've worked with pupils since the start of the school closure. I have two friends who are SNAs in primary school who haven't had any contact with their schools or with the children. I think individual schools should be looked at and that's very much come out from the inclusion Ireland. Some schools are great and some schools are not. Does that go down to Talk about to the principal, the teachers, the SNAs, I wonder. Uh, but well done uh, to you and continue your work with your pupils. And Tim says, uh, Trish, why were teachers not put on the €350 Euro a week COVID-19 payment when schools were closed and give the savings to the hard-pressed parents? Many teachers are out doing nixers, are they? And they're on full pay and parks uh, disgraceful. That's what it is, says uh, Tim. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. We've news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Four eleven. We were, I was talking with Inclusion Ireland about the difficulties that have been faced by children, uh, families with a child with special needs on homeschooling, and then that led to a couple of texts coming in about teachers and SNAs and the level of work that some teachers and SNAs are doing versus ones that are not doing as much. And Tim said that w- could not understand why all teachers were not put on the COVID nineteen payment of three hundred and fifty euro when schools were closed, and he was suggesting that you gave the savings to hard-pressed parents because his view view was schools are closed that they're not working well not every teacher agrees with you Tim that's uh, for sure let me go to the phone lines where Laura joins me good morning to you Laura Hi Patricia uh, I'm very well now you're a teacher Yeah a primary school teacher yeah I suppose look you know sometimes I suppose people who can see that we have nice holidays and our hours are short um, I suppose during stressful time like now with the COVID and everything maybe some people kind of get a bit frustrated and they just maybe jump to the conclusion that we're not doing any work but um, I can only speak for my school and 
we work with, we have a Google Classroom, so the children interact with us from nine until three online. Um, and the parents can have the app on their phone as well if it's more convenient for them. So we send out assignments and activities for the kids to do and then the parents submit them. Um, but I suppose, like, you know, officially it's nine till three, but, you know, depending on what, you know, the situations are at home and if parents are working or so on, um, you know, sometimes assignments could come in at five o'clock or eight o'clock or, you know, sometimes something could come in at 10 o'clock at night or something could come in on a Saturday or a Sunday. So, you know, I'm only speaking for myself um, and I'm just, I suppose maybe Tim was frustrated and he just kind of generalised. But, you know, I suppose maybe if perhaps like that maybe his children, um, if he has children, maybe that he just feels that the teachers in their school maybe might not be engaging as much. But, you know, he... He can contact the school directly, um, you know, or, you know, if he has concerns like that. But I suppose sometimes when you hear a comment like that and when you know yourself that you are working. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's galling to hear it when you're working. But yeah. would you would you know of other teachers that are not working at the same level that say you're working? Does it well, vary from school to school? I suppose, like, um, it depends on what system the school set up and... You know, once the school closed, we had we set up Google Classroom straight away. I know there there are other apps and and programs. There's another one, Seesaw. A lot of schools are using that. A lot of schools are using another and um, sending work home by email. Um, and you know, schools would have sent some schools would have sent home books, and the parents are contacting the children on Zoom, and um, and you know they. Just, do their lessons like that. So I don't actually, to be honest, I genuinely don't know of a school. That's not that, that's not doing it the yeah. same. But you're obviously lucky you're in an area where all your children have access to broadband. Yes, so basically what we do is, what we did at the very start is we rang all the parents and just checked, you know, to see who did and who did not have access. Yeah. And then those who did not have access, we... Um, we print out work and we, we send that work to those children. Okay. So, okay. so well you know, done. they're getting it in the post. Yeah, well done. Well well done. And, it, and, it's, and it's working out okay. Are you sensing, though, that some parents are under pressure, Laura? Yeah, like actually, like yesterday now again, we made our calls again yesterday and, you know, I suppose we make it clear to them that it's just, you know, it's, it's laid out in such a way that they have activities there at their disposal but if they're, if, you know, if the house is quite stressed at the time and they feel that, oh, having to do the activity is going to put undue stress, you know, we make it quite clear that that's not what it's about. It's about your own well-being, the child's well-being. A lot of the activities would be well-being activities anyway, you know. Um, and kind of like, you know, just, I'm just thinking one off, offhand now there this morning, they were... And completing their sentences with, you know, I feel happy when, I feel relaxed when, I feel, you know, um, overjoyed when, you know, and they mm. finish the sentence from just I first class, so they're like seven year olds. But, um, you know, like we may, like, and then I suppose we check in with the parents, and sometimes they, you know, they just kind of want to have a chat because they mightn't have seen anybody, you know. 
Yeah, so, but, um, but but your message really, and, and I know whenever we hear from parents who are under pressure, is don't put yourself or your children oh, under. We're all living in yeah. very challenging and unprecedented yeah. times. It's not like, it, like we make that so clear even, you know, when you're sending their message, their, you know, the morning greeting to them and stuff. And it's always like, oh, if you get a chance, you might like to look this or, you know, if, if you're looking for something to do, you know, it's, it's all like there's no pressure whatsoever. And like even a text went out there, you know, to all the parents again, just after the Easter break. And it just said, look, at any, at any point, if it's causing stress, just stop and leave it. And just, you know, they're just really things for them. If if the parents are running out of things to do, there's only so much baking you can do and yeah. so much colouring or whatever, you know. Yeah. And then it might be a case of, oh, look, you know, the mum might want to focus on something herself. She might want to do some ironing or something or just maybe the dad wants to do some ironing. I was working from home as well. There's that added challenge, isn't there? Exactly. So, like, it's not, you know, they're just, like, they're doing a great job and, like, the whole country's in the exact, the whole world is in the exact same situation. So, like, you know, like, the kids I have are in first and, you know, like, parents shouldn't be getting worried that, Oh, they'll go into second and they won't know what they should know. The whole world's in the same situation. So, like, we all know that when they go into second, there'll be stuff from first that, you know, they, they'll have to kind of maybe be introduced to before they move on to new topics. Like, they're not, you know, I suppose people just need to, parents just don't be putting putting stress on themselves. Like, they're doing a great job. It's it's not easy having your children at home full time, you know. And can you see? Can you see the schools reopening in September, Laura? Um, we actually had we had a Zoom with our principal yesterday, and uh, um, well, not a Zoom. I Zoom with her the other day, but um, she was just leaving messages. Whereas, but she just said like that. Um, you know, I suppose for us, like not to be probably getting too consumed with all the speculation in the media because nobody really knows what's going to happen, you know, and um, like, I suppose, you know, if the Leaving Service isn't going ahead in August and, you know... How can, how can schools reopen in September? Yeah, like, yeah. I, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's the of, one statement I keep hearing from uh, people and public health and it's health will have to come uh, first and only time will yeah. tell. Listen, Laura, appreciate your call. Thank you for that and uh, enjoy your day and thanks yeah, for joining no us. no problem. OK, thanks good morning to you. Bye-bye. Uh, Laura there, uh, a primary school a teacher. Helen says, I log on every morning at 10am. I work through until 4pm. I take a lunch break. If people are having difficulties with stuff, I've got to go back out and research again and get the work back out to them. So we are working all the time. Uh, Anthony says, I agree somewhat with what Tim was saying with so many companies cutting wages and cutting staff. If teachers continue to work from home the way they are and if schools don't reopen in September and listening to some of the rumours and some of what's coming from teachers unions, it does look like they may not return in September. Can the government continue to keep paying everyone? I don't think so, says. 
says Anthony. Will in North Cork says, Hi Patricia, I can just say how tired I am of all the teacher bashing that's going on at the moment. My own sister is a secondary school teacher in Cork, working harder than ever. Most days she doesn't leave her desk until well into the evening time, having usually started at 8.30 in the morning. She's doing all she can for her students and more. She cares so much about each and every one of them and does everything she can to help them, especially her leaving such students through these unprecedented times. I fully understand that not everyone is lucky enough to have such dedicated teachers, but I want to say thank you to all of those teachers in schools who are going above and beyond. And that's from Will in North Cork. John in Blackpool says, Patricia, my daughter is in SNA in a secondary school. She is in contact with her students every day and she's doing it from home. My message to Tim is wake up uh, Tim. And someone else says, hi Patricia, I hope you're well. Just listening to your programme, I work in a school as an SNA and I'm not blowing my own trumpet but I work, I'm working very hard since school closed. I've no day to myself with everything else that's going on. I'm also providing care and help to a 95-year-old lady and an 89-year-old lady as their home helps have been stopped at the moment. I travel twice a day to one of the ladies. Don't, by the way, look for expenses. And I also do the shopping for these elderly people. So I'm going above and beyond. Uh, Well done to you. Well done. And there are a lot of people filling in the gaps for the home helps that are not available. And actually, we're waiting. We're getting back on to the... HSC, because we put that question to them about home helps that are stopped working in the community and they were to go work in nursing homes. We're still waiting to try to get the exact figures on how many of those home helps have taken up positions in uh, nursing homes. We haven't forgotten about that one. Uh, Julie says, Patricia, listening to you there in the background, background, I'm a post-primary teacher. I can assure your listeners we are working flat out. I'm here right now after responding to inquiries from students seeking help with an assignment that I uploaded yesterday. I will shortly be working on my end of year assessments that will be rolled out online starting next week for my school. In the meantime, I have my two primary school boys here at the kitchen table with me working on their stuff and I'm also checking in with my post-primary child who also continues to receive work from her school on a daily basis. That is from Julie. So there are a lot of teachers out there. Uh, The message coming through loud and clear. There's a lot of teachers out there doing a lot of uh, work. John and Cove, my son is a full-time teacher. He's working seven days a week at home so they are teaching. Tim must have nothing better to do than to send in that smart comment. Teachers put in long hours. Now parents know what teachers go through on a daily basis when we're constantly hearing the parents are not coping with the whole home schooling. And just one final one from Anna. Great to hear Laura, the young primary school teacher on your programme and great to hear that she is a dedicated teacher. And yes, it's wrong like every profession to tar all with the one brush. But while Laura and her colleagues are doing a great job, I can tell you, I know of others that are not so dedicated. They send the morning information. They might check in again around midday. They may give homework but once the morning information is given, they're resting then until midday uh, and then they're not heard again until two o'clock. There's so much work going on between the emails that I can see from a teacher I know but again every profession would say this and every workplace has workers like this. Okay, so you get some that are good and some that are not and I think that's what came out from the Inclusion Ireland survey that they did when they contacted parents. They had some parents saying that some of their children with special needs that their teachers were fantastic and there were Zoom calls and Google classes going on and some were doing, you know, terrific work 
But then there was others who said that since the school closed back in March, they've heard nothing. So it's, there are there are very much two sides to that coin. OK, thank you to the number of people who contacted us on that one. I want to move on because West Cork councillor Declan Hurley feels that there was a blatant disregard from the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson when outlining his roadmap last Sunday as it still allows UK visitors into Ireland. Councillor Declan Hurley joins me to outline his concerns. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning. Uh, and, and thank you for uh, holding. Um, OK, your, your issue here, what, were you hoping that Boris Johnson would, would ban all travel from the United Kingdom? I, I just, I just, I suppose I sat and listened and, and read with uh, disbelief to the, I suppose, the level of relaxation of the restrictions. Um, I think it, it's important to point out that Ireland um, has an, an open border um, arrangement with, um, with, with the UK. And the problem I see is that we have an open border arrangement with a country that has, that's lifting restrictions and has no community tracing. And I think with the level of sacrifices that we've made in this country for the last eight weeks, we finally have a roadmap where we can see where we're going um, for the next number of weeks and months. And I feel that the, just the total um, senseless approach to the, the easing of restrictions in the UK is going to put all that at risk uh, for what we've done for the last um, eight, eight weeks, as I say. And the slogan is kind of stay alert. Um, we're all alert, but this is invisible. We can't see where this is and how can you um, measure or gauge where this um, epidemic is going to, to appear next. And I think hopefully post the 18th of May, which is next Monday, we here in Ireland can start getting back into some normal pace of, of life again. But we have to be very, very careful how we go forward and be very cautious. And I just think that um, with that open border approach and we don't have mandatory um, quarantine or self-isolation. Well, is, is that now what we need? Do we? And I know the government have been talking about quarantine requirements on, on incoming travellers and that they need to be tightened significantly. Do we need to make those quarantine requirements mandatory? We do. And the time for talking on this is gone. And that's why I, on Monday I felt obliged to raise this at our meeting. And I asked the, the county mayor to write to the Taoiseach and to the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, to highlight our concern around this area. I know we don't have a government and it's going to be difficult to implement um, new legislation, but this is very, very serious going forward and action has to be taken. And if, if you see, and I, I suppose I welcome since um, the, relaxation, the relaxation of the restrictions in the UK that Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, they've taken a different approach. It seems to be a lot more measured, but I think it goes to show that even they're concerned as well with the, prime, with the British Prime Minister's relaxation of the, the measures over there. So I welcome their kind of more measured approach in this. But I, I, I just think that it, it, it is a blatant disregard for the, for the safety of our citizens and for the UK citizens as well, too, I might add, because um, if, if, this, if you lift restrictions too soon, you're going to end up having the risk of, of going back um, and having a peak and an increase. And well, the in, second uh, wave, and we're seeing that in other countries, let's be are, honest. It, Yes, look, we, we need tourism and uh, we need to kind of kickstart tourism, particularly all, all around the county of Cork, around the country. But we need to do this in a very careful, measured approach so we can keep this roadmap going, that we don't have to go back and end up like other countries, as you say, having to go into lockdown again for four days a week or a month. We, we, we don't want to get into that pattern. And at this stage now, we have no control 
over what's going to come in into our ports or airports in the coming weeks. Well, um, what do you what do you make of Michael Michael O'Leary, the Ryanair boss, announcing yesterday his hundred and fifty flights from the first of July, of which uh, did I twenty of them are going to be in and out of Cork. It concerns me. I, I am concerned because if, if you put something out there for the public, they will start considering it and they will start looking, well, look, the numbers are going the right directions. Uh, in they'll, they'll see um, how other countries are dealing with this. And uh, I, I, I think it's, it's, a step too, it's a step too much too soon. Uh, and again, I was surprised yesterday that the, wear, the wearing of face masks mask wasn't made mandatory. Um, I think it's the only way that you can implement measures and safeguards and, and restrictions is by making them mandatory. Yes, you can have um, uh, I suppose guidelines as to where and when you use them, but in, unless those measures are implemented and, and made mandatory, they're, they're not going to be implemented. And that's, I, I, and that's the same with the 14-day quarantine. It's, got, it's got to and be mandatory and not this thing of self-isolate. The funny thing is that they're, they're in strict, the UK are insisting on a, on a 14-day mandatory isolation for people coming to the UK. But uh, except from that. France and Ireland. Well, yes, with, with, with those exceptions. Yeah, and uh, then we've got another, we've another uh, problem. Even if we do put in quarantine requirements on incoming travellers, the restrictions won't be on people travelling from Northern Ireland coming across the border. We saw that flight last week out of Belfast into London Heathrow that was packed to the point now that Aer Lingus have put on a second flight. So if people want to get onto this island, they have another route. They have. There's a back door to to get in. And I I think Ireland Ireland as an island, it needs to have uh, an all-island strategy. And that includes restrictions at our ports and and airports. And and that has to be seriously looked at. Um, And until that... Um, measures put in place. We, we are at risk of, of losing control of this again. And I thought, look, it's up to the general public out there to make sure that we abide by the restrictions going forward. But um, at the end of the day, if people start coming into the country and we don't know where they're coming from or what um, health issues they have, uh, I, I just think we're going to be losing a uh, losing back. And I am concerned um, that the measures are not in place at, at this stage. For yeah the opening of our country from Monday and, and And, you know, we know how important the tourism industry is and particularly you're talking to us from a beautiful West Cork where, you know, the tour, tourism tourism season is so important and, you know, people make money in the summer months that keep them going then throughout the winter months. So anything that we can do to salvage any kind of a tourism season has got to be welcomed. But I think the big push has got to be on staycation. We've got to get Irish people because come July, come August, we are going to be allowed to move beyond the five, then it'll be 20 kilometres and eventually we'll be allowed to move around the country. Let's encourage people to come to West Cork from other parts of the country. You're absolutely right and we have a fantastic, beautiful country from north to south, from east to west and and we do need to, I think, stay at home and like a lot of these um, um, hotels and restaurants, they're they're all family run, the most of them are family run and they, they employ local people and it, it all feeds back into the local economy and I think that has to be emphasised for the next year or two years that we have to stay at home, support local, stay local and that's going to, because our economy is going to need a lot, is going to take a long time to build back up to where it is and a lot of the support I think, won't be there initially for companies and for businesses to reopen and I hate to, I hate to see a lot of the smaller and kind of niche um, businesses not being able to open. So I think it, it is vitally important that we do 
um, as you say, stay local and support those local companies, local businesses to get back up into business again and provide the, the valuable service that they do give for the likes of West Cork and North Cork and East Cork. There is a fantastic offering out there, but it's all the add-ons that go with it. Mm. And that's what we lend our support and our financial support going forward. And I saw a press release from uh, Cork County Council early in the week. You know, Cork County Council very much getting ready for towns reopening. This plan to deep clean the town centres? That's right. We're, there's a series of municipal districts meetings taking place this week uh, with the elected members to see what plans need to be put in place. And the main focus is on town centres uh, getting those ready. Obviously, with the businesses now hopefully reopening on Monday, there's going to be measures put in place to allow those businesses to implement social distancing. And that may be decluttering footpaths, widening footpaths, um, making town centres possibly more pedestrianised. Uh, in the short term, as opposed to, um, and that may may mean re- uh, reducing parking. But I think we have to try and implement as much um, measures as possible to allow business to reopen and conduct their business, and allow them to do that in a safe manner for themselves, for their for their staff, and for the general public that need uh, to get back out there and, and get companies going and get their 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 wares uh, back into um, into circulation. So we we are hoping um, that in the in the coming two to three weeks we'll have a plan in place whereby um, working closely with communities, with businesses, with tidy towns, that we can start to get things rolling again and, and start to see the economy opening up and start to see... Making and then money that's again. when then we will all have a role to play in reactivating our local economies and our local communities. Absolutely. This is down to every single individual person, family, um, to do their bit um, and, and, do, and buy what they can locally sell what they can locally uh, and ensure that what's, what's made locally stays locally and that's going to then kickstart uh, and make uh, the local economy vibrant again. Okay, and how is lockdown going for you, Declan? Uh, it's, it's okay. Um, look, there's, there's good days and there's bad days. Um, thankfully, I suppose, my own business, um, as a dairy farmer, I'm able to conduct a lot of my business um, in self-isolation. Um, but again, a lot of my work as a county councillor is done via email and teleconfer- teleconferencing and over the phone. But um, it, it does start to, 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 to grate after a while and uh, hopefully post uh, next Monday we'll start getting back into a more relaxed and more formal uh, means of communicating and, and doing things. But I, I, I think we have to applaud everybody today to have done what they have done to get us where we are because it's great now to have this roadmap and hopefully we can start to see those deadlines coming and passing and that we don't have to start going back that the numbers will keep reducing and uh, I think at the end of the day um, the agencies can I do so much it's down to every individual person out there to, to do their bit now to ensure that we keep going forward that's it and, and, and may this fine weather stay with us as well so it's, the weather Absolutely. is great which is helping isn't it and, and thanks to you as well too Patricia because you're there um, every day you're in our homes and in our offices keep us up to date and keep us entertained and that's very important so in, in fairness I have to compliment yourself and all the team there you're very you kind to, you're very uh, kind in, uh, it, it does take the, take the edge off. We will speak again. Uh, Declan, stay safe and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork uh, Councillor Declan uh, Hurley. Tim in Bandon said, isn't it a bit late to be talking about border restrictions when that should have been done at the very start? Do the government and the TDs have any brains whatsoever? Surely common with some common sense was the only way to stop the virus. Uh, surely common sense, the only way to stop the virus was to close the borders and to close it down as soon as we started hearing about this novel virus which was coming out of China. Tim Abandon says, I've been saying this from the outset. I actually emailed the Taoiseach 
but as I guess the book was passed uh, on so Tim is saying too little too late to be closing the borders and the big worry as I mentioned at the start of the programme the EU are taking a different line on this and they're starting to open up borders while we are looking at putting restrictions uh, in place including this compulsory quarantine 1850 Sadie and John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C1 with Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. And just a quick answer on a WhatsApp that came in. Hi Patricia, can you tell me when a garage is open for service and uh, repairs? Uh, garages will reopen from next Monday. They're in phase one because they are part of the group of shops and businesses that had been opened uh, but were then closed. So let me look, I have it here on the list. Shops that were previously opened, what was tier two is what they were calling at the time. Hardware opticians, motor, bicycle um, and repairs, office products, electrical IT and phone sales and repairs can all open. So your garages for repairs and services from next Monday the 18th. Now a group of four siblings have raised nearly five times their fundraising target for Pieta House in memory of their beloved dad who tragically took his own life on the 1st of May. Thomas McCarthy is from Ballina D and he joins me to remember his dad and to talk about the family's fundraising efforts. Good morning to you, Thomas. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Firstly, deepest, deepest sympathies to your mother and to yourself and to the rest of the family on, on such a tragic passing of, of your dad. So I suppose, start by telling me a little bit about your dad, uh, Paddy, his life and the type of man he was. Um, so... Dad was a, he's a farmer down here in West Cork in Ballinity, real hard-working man, um, great sense of humour, like, loved to socialise, loved music, loved dancing, um, just loved life, really. Um, he always made us laugh. Uh, he loved Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> he loved his nights out down in Kinsale. So, yeah. Full, very much full of life. Were, were you aware that he was battling his own demons in his head? Um, no, not really. I think that's why it was so hard for um, all of us to believe when we when we found out the news, because you know he never really said anything or spoke to us, so it makes it that much harder. Um, yeah, he never he never really said anything. No. Yeah, it's just. And how often do you hear that from uh, people who saw nothing? There was no signs. It's it's yeah. it's just it's it, it's dreadful, and I b- I believe you actually were you overseas when it happened. Um yeah, I was over in in Canada. I was living in um, Whistler. It's uh, an hour and a half north of Vancouver, so I had to. I found out on the Friday the first, and then I had a flight booked within half an hour, and then I had to fly home the, fall, the next day, Saturday the second. You were lucky to get back. Yeah, I, I was really really lucky. Um, Dad's sister, actually, or Auntie Anne, she's in Australia and she couldn't come back for it. Yeah, yeah. So that makes it a lot more tough for her, you know. Are you, stuck here is the wrong word, will you, are you, are you planning on staying or will you be able to yeah. get back? Will you be able to I'm get back? Stay to for, I'm going to stay for a while, I think. Are you? Are you? Oh, yeah. Okay. So then who came up with the idea, Thomas, of raising some money for Pieta House? Um, it was myself. I was in bed on Thursday of last week and I was just scrolling through Facebook and I read something about 
paid a house getting 80% of their funds from the public and how the darkness into light run wasn't going ahead. So I said, I just thought I wanted to do something in memory of Dad. Um, and I just got really excited about the fact that we could do something really positive out of all this negative, all this darkness in our own lives, that we could do something that hopefully down the line will help someone somewhere. So you set up, it was a GoFundMe page? Yeah, set up a GoFundMe page and we set the goal as 5,000 and we thought if we got five grand for a paid house, it would be amazing, you know, that would, that would do a lot. Um, and then it just kept going and going and, and people have been so good donating and it, it's, the response has been insane. It's, I, I mean, I, I took a look at it yesterday. It's, it's got over 25,000. Yeah, I think it's on 26,400 <laughs> and something. It's, and, and we'll share, I'll get John Paul to share the GoFundMe page on our uh, Facebook page uh, later on. And was, what did you do to publicise it? Did, was it just... Um, yeah, I think we just, you know, the power of social media. Yeah. Shared on Facebook, Instagram. Um, one of my cousins got in contact with the Cork View. Yeah. I, th- I think the Echo are after sharing it. Brilliant. opinion. So it's been amazing, the response. And then obviously it was just family and friends and... Yeah, and like to, just a massive thank you to everyone who's donated so far. I suppose, you know, in these difficult times with the whole restrictions, people can't really come to the house and can offer their condolences. So this is their way of doing it, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. And it'll, it will do a lot of good for someone somewhere. And of course, Darkness Into Light should have happened last... Saturday morning, yeah. and and I got up because they were asking people to share the share a, a sunrise picture at half five. Unfortunately, where I was, it was so foggy I couldn't even get a picture. But I was online, and I couldn't get over the number of people who got up and did a little bit of a walk or just got together. Did you, as a family, do something? Yeah, we all we all got up here and we walked down the farm to one of the fields and we watched the sunrise, and it was it was really beautiful. Yeah, and then we just all walked down to like the village and then back up to the house again. Uh, emotional I imagine yeah it it was pretty tough because that was only a week after that he did it you know that's what I think is so amazing uh, Thomas about you and and your family the fact that so quickly you've decided to try and turn as you say this dreadful dark period into your life trying to turn it into something positive it's it's and your dad would just be so proud it's it's incredible what you're achieving Thank you, yeah. Hopefully um, it'll do some good somewhere. It will, it, it, it will. And the funeral and all of that, you, it's, it's so hard on people, isn't it, going through bereavement at this time? Yeah, it was, it was a bit unusual. It was surreal. I think there was only about 15 people allowed into the church. Um, people really couldn't come to the house. So, you know, you want to be around your friends and your family and neighbours and you want to just like hug people and stuff, but you can't. So it adds another layer on top of everything else, and it, it is it is really difficult. Uh, but will you have a memorial mass when all these restrictions are lifted? Is that the plan? Yeah, I think we'll do something special for yeah. Dad, and maybe down the line uh, a fundraiser, you know, for a Pieta House again, like an annual thing. Like a, he loved he loved vintage, he loved tractors. Did he? So something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well, well done. So your message as well uh, today, Thomas, and it's important to anybody struggling at the moment. Yeah. And God knows there are a lot of people who are finding this whole COVID-19 and the lockdown and the isolation. People are really, really struggling. Is to reach out that help is available. Yeah. Like talk about it. Talk to someone. And even if you notice maybe something in someone, they've gone a bit quiet or 
they're not themselves. You know, reach out to them, like your neighbours, your friends, give them a text. And Pieta House is an amazing service. They are amazing people. And I, I know myself how good it can be to just talk, and it really does make a difference. And there's no shame in asking for help. And I think there's this massive stigma around, you know, you're weak if you ask for help and you don't want to talk about it, especially with men. But just talk about it because no family should go through what we've gone through the last two weeks. And it's it's the it's the brave ones, you know. It's very brave to yeah. to look for help and say I'm I'm struggling. So please, please uh, re- uh, reach out. And so your your plan now, Thomas, you you'll stay. Will you go back to Canada eventually? Do you think? Or um, no, I won't. No. I'm going to stay here for a while with my brothers and sisters, and we're going to like work on the farm. And it'll be nice that we're all together because we haven't been together in a while. So we'll just stick here for a while, and we're going to take care of Mam, and it'll be it'll be okay. And and how how is Mam? Mum's good. She's very strong, you know, she? and she has all of us. And we have amazing neighbours and amazing family and amazing friends. So we're very lucky. Yeah, you will. You you will get through this, and this dark time will pass. Uh, but it's tough. You're 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 an incredible family, as they say. Your dad, no doubt, smiling down on you, and and can be very proud. Um, stick together, and that's how you will get through this. And and you're you 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 are a united bunch, the McCarthy family. So you will get through it. It was a real pleasure to talk to you, uh, Thomas. As I say, we will share your fundraising efforts and and get back to us if you plan on doing more fundraising. We'd we'd love to catch up with you again. Perfect. Thank you. So All right. God bless. Take care. Thank you. you bye bye. Bye bye. Oh my God. When we're giving out about how tough times can be with, you know, isolation. Oh, I can't go on holidays. I can't go visit this. I can't do that. I can't go there. And then you hear what's going on in, in other families. Um, God help them all. God help them. So that's uh, Thomas McCarthy remembering his uh, wonderful dad, uh, Paddy, from uh, Ballinadee. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, 1850-333-103 John Paul and uh, Sadie are taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court Today on C103 With Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September Plan your future education See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. It's time to stay Due to COVID-19, cocooning is advised for all people over 70 years old. If a family member or friend is cocooning, here's some helpful advice. They should stay home and avoid face-to-face contact. Keep in touch by phone or online. Stay mobile by moving as much as possible. Go for a short walk while maintaining strict social distancing. Ask others to get shopping or medicine. Use the phone to contact their GP or other services. And remember, no visitors except for essential carers. It's time to stay at home. Stay home. This message is supported by Home Instead Senior Care. Their staff are fully equipped to ensure your loved one's safety in their own homes. See homeinstead.ie. For COVID-19 updates and information, stay listening to C103.
On that GoFundMe page that Thomas spoke about for Pieta House, John Paul Tesby is now up on, on the C103 Facebook uh, page. And a text in saying, Hi Patricia, my dad's uh, suicide was 14 years ago. The pain never goes away. I look at his picture and I tell him all about COVID-19. It's the only way I can t- I can cope is to talk to him. Yeah, And by doing that, you'll always keep him. He'll always be in your heart. He might be there in front of you, but he'll always be in your heart. 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. A lot of comments coming in with regard to teachers and teachers that are going above and beyond the call of duty and are really doing the best that they can with the homeschooling and then we're hearing from other parents who are saying no, not getting the same level of service so it seems to depend on either what school your child uh, was going to or what teacher your child has so we'll get to a lot of those calls and comments after 12 and we're also looking for questions for Peter um, Peter Dowdell, our resident gardener will be joining us and we'll also be recognising volunteers and the wonderful work of volunteers especially uh, through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, so keep your calls and your texts and WhatsApps coming 0862-103-103 Cork today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me go to just some of the commentary that we have had in reacting to teachers and how some teachers really seem to be putting in very long hours now that schools are closed. But we are hearing from other parents who are really struggling and finding the whole homeschooling issue uh, very difficult. I mean, we kicked it off when we were talking about special needs uh, children and how challenging families are finding doing any kind of homeschooling with some special needs uh, children. And again, from Inclusion Ireland, they did a survey. They found some schools are fantastic, SNAs and teachers are going above and beyond but then there are other special needs uh, children who schools closed and the parents have heard nothing at all from the school and we seem to be getting the same kind of reaction from mainstream schools as well. It seems to depend on the school that your child uh, or your children are going to and it seems to be the individual uh, teachers. Just to give you some of the commentary that's been coming into us this morning, Evan said, I really do hope that schools return in September. I know that there are still a lot of concerns about COVID-19 but I feel principals surely can work something out as many schools have large halls and corridors 
corridors where they could hold classrooms if we need to have this all children being two metres apart they have to come up with something well and I'm assuming that that's what's going on behind the scenes that you've got principals and teachers now working looking at schools and putting the plans in place they're not going to suddenly the night before school is due to open realise we don't have the room now the work needs to be done so that if they need additional funding and, and I'm already hearing that from schools that they will need additional funding to cover the cost of things like hand sanitizers if they do need to put extra desks in or they need to move desks out into different areas does it need to be adapted into a classroom you know there's going to be work involved so it's cost it's going to go down to cost it's going to go down to looking for more money in order to uh, accommodate it but uh, there's a lot of parents Evan I don't think on your own who are nearly on their hands and knees praying that schools will reopen in September Eugene on Twitter says somebody this is uh, see a lot of this reaction was to, was to Tim who contacted us when we started talking about schools and the problems with homeschooling Tim said that as the schools were closed he could not see why teachers were not put on the COVID-19 payment the same way other workers when businesses closed the employer stopped paying them they went on a COVID-19 payment he's asking he was asking the question why would it not be the same for teachers Eugene said somebody working from home is still working the obsession with cost is soul destroying and that was Eugene on our Twitter feed Kevin on Twitter to C103 Cork teachers are working hard at the moment and they've had to adjust and adjust very fast lots of things are changing by the day some teachers according to Kevin are working harder than they ever worked when they were actually in the classroom by WhatsApp a parent no name on this our school is sending home lots of work every week it's about two and a half hours work per day for the children but it's all coming from their school books the teacher is obviously trying to get the books finished before the end of the year but a lot of this is new work it's not revision and it's leaving parents then to teach the child there is no interaction from the teacher other than the email for work sent once a week. They could they could at least do some online classes and earn their wages. There is new, this is new work. So I don't do this with my child. They're obviously, who obviously now is going to be behind other children that have done this when they do return to school in September. I am now working full time from home and then have to do all of this homework with my child. Our primary school teachers certainly, our primary school teachers as in this parents' school are certainly not doing anything much to help out their students. And then on uh, texts coming in, Patricia, I know a secondary school uh, teacher, his school closed on the 6th of March and absolutely he's working flat out 10 to 12 hours per day. Nothing though to do with teaching. He's now taken up part-time farming. He's ploughing, moving cattle, cutting silage. It's a great job. I hope it lasts, says John in uh, Clonakilty. Also on there, also on teaching, my boy is in second class. Hasn't had an Irish lesson allocated to him since his last day in school. Now we do get emails shoving on homework for the week and apps etc. Not once have we had a video call or a Zoom from his teacher and she's getting full pay to inverted commas work from home and she's no travel expenses. Come on, we're all suffering. Teachers should be taking a pay cut. They're now working from home. Their cars are parked up so they don't have diesel or petrol expenses. They're also avoiding childcare costs now 
now as they can look after their own children at home. Come on, primary teachers, start the Zoom and the video calls, especially for the smaller ones that can't focus without direction from their teacher. Even if they were to do it one day a week, it would help. Parents have taken a severe blow here with the closing of schools. It certainly isn't the teachers. Hi Patricia, says another texter. My daughter is a teacher. She's working all day, every day from 10am to 4pm. She also has a special needs child at home. So tell Tim, who suggested her pay should be cut, to close his gob do a bit of gardening and stop whining. And just on a final one, just on the teachers, I want to say I have the most amazing teachers and SNA for my two children with special needs. They have been my rock and my lifeline on the toughest days and they've been absolutely amazing to me and my children each and every day and have been so supportive since the children have been at home. Well done to all of the teachers and the SNAs that are a lifeline to families. Always there to help in any way possible and that comes in from a very grateful West Cork mum is that fabulous you see again that's the kind of stories we're getting in we're getting in the amazing ones of the teachers who are going above and beyond but unfortunately and whether teachers like to hear it or not and I know teachers can get very defensive when they're criticised but not all teachers seem to be playing ball and not all teachers are giving this 100% and 110% that we're hearing that some teachers are doing. So uh, long may the good ones continue and if we could just get the other ones to buck up a bit it might make life a little bit easier for some. And someone else says Patricia thank you. Um, so happy to hear your interview from Inclusion Ireland this morning. I'm struggling at the moment with uh, a special needs chap at home and already you can see the regression. Thanking you for doing that interview uh, this morning. It's nice to know that I'm not uh, on my own. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. My God, you're not. But please try to reach out. That's the one message if we can get that across from Inclusion Ireland is to reach out and let people know that you're struggling. Get on to your school, your service provider, the HSE. Just reach out and say that that you need help. I mean, I'm constantly saying that to people. We need to flag up the fact that we're, we're struggling and that we need some help and look for the help and hopefully, hopefully help will become uh, available. OK, there's a number of questions coming in for Peter. You can keep those coming. 1850-333-103. There's been some reaction to Councillor Declan Hurley who joined us, who was very annoyed with Boris Johnson and is just fearful that restrictions are being lifted too quickly over in the United Kingdom and he's fearful that we're going to have people travelling from the UK into Ireland and, you know, we know a lot of English people come to beautiful West Cork, many of them actually own holiday homes there and the danger is that they'll bring the virus with them, particularly onto, you know, some of the peninsulas where we know there's no COVID-19 and the hope and the plan is to keep those areas COVID-19 free. So people are worried and concerned about it and that's why Councillor Declan Hurley on, on behalf of his constituents I think raising this uh, issue uh, and then of course that led to us talking about uh, holidaying and holidaying at home and there should be now some kind of a push to get because we've Tony Houlihan saying don't leave the country don't plan holidays abroad so if you would like to take a holiday should we all be looking to have a holiday at home and staycation and all of that so people reacting to that listening to Declan saying we should stay in Ireland for our holidays I absolutely agree but it comes with a but as we all know we've been ripped off at the prices being charged in hotels and cafes etc in this country I'm sure we'll be charged a lot more when these places reopen staycations are 
they're great but they can be very very expensive and somebody else is making the very same point Stephanie says I agree in point about a staycation but very important point I could not afford to have a vacation in Ireland our hotels hugely expensive Take the, a couple of examples. A pint of beer in Spain, you'll get it for two or three euros. In Ireland, in a tourist destination, it'll cost you six euro. A two and three course meal in Spain, you'll pay 15, maybe 20 euro tops. They'll probably even throw in a glass of wine. Whereas if it's here in Ireland, that same three course meal will cost you at least 50 euro. There is a cost factor in all of this and you know one wonders when the tourist sector opens up and please God it will open up please God there will be some kind of a tourist season this year what will the prices be like and the prices will dictate I suppose if people staycation uh, or not and someone else wants to know what about people that went to the UK before the lockdown can they uh, return um, yeah, yeah. Why? Why they've they they would be able to return now if they wanted. There are still flights coming in and out of Ireland. There's still people coming in. Not many. Not and there's not many on any of those, those uh, flights. But what's going to be asked of anybody coming back into this country is that they must self isolate for two weeks so they'll be met at the airport they'll be met at the port they'll be asked to fill in a form they'll have to say exactly where they are and the plan would be that the Gardaí could actually knock on somebody's door to make sure within that 14 days that they're in that place where they said they would be and that they haven't moved out and that they have self-isolated so yes there's no one going to be stopped coming back into the country it's just what they're going to be asked to do when they actually get here and then a couple of questions a couple of texts in on the wearing of face masks Patricia I was listening to you to the idea that everyone will maybe have to wear face masks well I'm an asthmatic sufferer sufferer, and wearing a mask would be desperate for me as I've tried and the feeling of lack of air just made me worse I actually ended up getting an asthma attack afterwards so I'm stuck so am I stuck in my home if I don't wear one Uh, I could get the virus if I do I could die from an asthma attack. So to me, it's a catch-22. Is there any let-up for people like me? I think it would be up, it should be up to each person what they want to do, especially when there are medical situations like mine. That's from a concerned uh, listener. Well, the indications are that the advice that's going to come out about masks, it will be mandatory. It will be suggested that you're in a, when you're in a public place or when you're in a supermarket, for example, or on public transport. It will be suggested that you wear a mask, but it won't be mandatory. Absolutely, it won't be mandatory. That's certainly what they're saying, unless it changes over the next few days. But as of now, there's no indications that it's going to be mandatory. On the subject of face and stay safe uh, to that listener, on the subject of face masks, there's another listener. I wear glasses. If I use a homemade mask, which is what's been suggested, my glasses will fog up as there's no strip to press down over the nose. The medical ones have a strip that does it. And you know, you've explained something to to me. I've always wondered what that little metal strip at the top of the medical one is for. And that's what it's for. It's designed for people who wear wear glasses. Because yesterday, again, a number of people were saying that, that the ordinary either the homemade mask or even the the small disposable ones that if you wear those and you wear glasses your glasses get fogged up which is a huge problem but with the medical one with the strip you know, it's like a little metal strip across the top of it that's what the metal strip is for who knew thank you for that 1850 Hi Patricia just to let you know that I got hand sanitizer in Lidl and it was made by the Western Cork Distillers in Skibreen and it's great value for a 200ml bottle 
text her doesn't say now how much it is but she feels it was great value just to let others know thanking you so well done to Little for selling it and well done to the Western Cork Distillers good to see that they are because we, we spoke at the start of the pandemic we spoke about various distillers who have kind of stepped and I, I'm assuming that they're still making their whatever they're making their gins and their, their whiskies, but they've diverted some of their lines to making hand sanitizers and it was very important at the start when you couldn't get hand sanitizers for love no money so that's uh, certainly is good news uh, thank you for that and there's a request that came in bright and early and I don't know if Simon got to it or not but for fear that Simon didn't get to it I'm going to give a mention it's Lynn Dennehy happy birthday to you Lynn uh, meeting today for social distancing cup of coffee in the garage or they met yesterday in this social distancing cup of coffee and that's uh, love from uh, Teresa so happy birthday Lynn Dennehy on your birthday today and just one final one here this is just back to special parents with special needs children on the darkest and hardest of days as a special needs parent in isolation for many years and that's many years before the lockdown teachers and SNAs are the ones who kept parents supported and gave encouragement thank you Uh, also thank you to all the GPs, the nurses the doctors and the health staff of hospitals thank you for always doing what you do for our children with very special additional needs. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And here's a lovely initiative from Castle Magna Community Development. They're intending to publish a collection of stories and poems from bygone years. So they're asking their elderly community to recall stories and events which they witnessed over the years or perhaps ones that they heard from their relatives last Long ago, and members of the Community Development Association will be in contact in the coming weeks. That's a terrific, that sounds like a lovely, lovely idea. And that book, no doubt, will be uh, hugely popular. And Grow Mental Health Recovery. Let's give a mention to people who are struggling at the moment. They've developed a six week course entitled Creating Hope and Staying Positive in COVID 19. Programme contains tips and advice on how to deal with the pandemic over the next few weeks. And you can log on to www.grow.ie. They also have have an information line at 1850 474 474 and a shout out to some people and community groups that are helping out in the area anybody looking for help in the Barry Row or Court McSherry area give Thomas a call 085 while Ballon Hassock Help and Support Team is available 24-7 to help anybody needing assistance with shopping, medical needs, opticians. If you just need somebody to talk to, contact Dennis 87 Cork Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And here's a great tip. You know, people were saying, we were talking about the homemade masks, uh, face masks earlier on, and somebody was saying homemade masks are great, but if you wear glasses, it fogs up, and that's why this person needs the medical one that has that little bit of a metal foil at the top that you wear over the bridge of your nose, so that holds it down so your glasses don't fog up. Somebody said, if you sew 
a foil strip which you can get from the bottom of a baking tray just cut it out and if you sew that into the homemade mask it works the very same way as the surgical one well done I don't know who came up with that idea but it's terrific and also uh, we've been talking about hand sanitizers, and somebody was saying that they got the hand sanitizers, which was made by the uh, the West Cork Distillery somebody has Mary has just got on to us to say that you can get the hand sanitizer at Cleary's Pharmacy in Skibbereen and it's the one from the West Cork Distillery you bring your own bottle with you and it's just 50 cent for 100 millilitres isn't that terrific that's a, that's, that's, and that's the first I don't know if any other chemist is doing that so you bring your own bottle fill it up and it's just 50 cent per 100 mil so I'm assuming if you bought a 400 mil bottle it would only be 2 euro that's a terrific way to get hand sanitizer. that's at Cleary's Pharmacy in uh, Skibbereen as I say I don't know if any other pharmacies are doing and offering a similar service 1850 now the Cork Volunteer Week which is scheduled to run from May 18th to the 24th is still going ahead this year but it'll have to be a virtual affair rather than its normal programme of events. Joining me from the Cork Volunteer Centre uh, their manager Julie Connolly. Good afternoon to you Julie. Hi Patricia. How nice are you? to hear from you. And great to hear from you as well. Isn't it fair to say that the role of volunteers is now more important than ever as we wade through this crisis? Absolutely. I Look the response from the people across Cork um, has just been overwhelming. The amount of people, I think about 2,000 people so far have signed up with Cork Volunteer Centre to volunteer in response to COVID-19 over the last eight to nine weeks, which is just unbelievable. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, volunteers are delivering food, they're delivering prescriptions, they're walking dogs, they're cutting <laughs> grass, they are... And they're continuing to do all the other services I suppose they would have previously provided, like helping people who are homeless, dealing with vulnerable families, uh, providing counselling services, cancer support, food parcels. You name it, the people of Cork are doing it. Yeah, it's incredible. And it was the one thing from the very start of this pandemic, and especially when the over 70s were asked to cocoon and some of them were panicking about, oh my God, how will I get this done? How will I, you know, how will I get that? And I was saying to people, reach out, there will be help available. And people literally are falling over themselves to help. And that's, I'm constantly trying to get that message across to people who have a need, who are, who are struggling. There is a lot of help available. Absolutely. And I suppose the main points of contact in Cork are Cork City Council and Cork County Council. And they are coordinating the community response in both local authority areas. There are town teams in Cork County and area teams in the city. They are coordinating with community and voluntary groups and volunteers in each of the local areas and dealing with the HSE and the Gardaí and any other kind of relevant stakeholders, as well as ourselves. Mm. (laughs) That's working really well, isn't it? It's working really, really well. So if you have a need, you contact the respective helplines and they they will be able to deal with you. And I suppose the main thing then, it gives people comfort that the people who are coming to them, to their homes are people who, who have been vetted, they are, you know what I mean, they're yeah. engaging with the services and they're using local volunteers and local organisations and look, the the GAA, the Meals on Wheels, like all of these people are playing an absolute blinder um, and coordinating with the, the, 
respective local authority. So it's it's been fantastic, really. Yeah, and of course, let's also recognise that there are other volunteers who are confined to, to their home. Perhaps their service is, is no longer open mm. and that can be tough on them as well. And some of some of the volunteers are cocooners. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I suppose that's one of the things I really wanted to get across was to thank all, like we, we're dealing with so many people who volunteer in charity shops, our own volunteers who um, answer the phones for us in the centre in North Main Street and do reception for us. I mean, they haven't been able to volunteer. They've been stuck at home. But you know what? They have contributed by staying at home. And I suppose that's the one thing I would really like to thank people for as well, because they're doing their part. Um, and then, yeah, like we had, um, there was one service in Sparkery, all the, the volunteers who were delivering meals on wheels were all actually over 70 themselves <laughs> and they had to cocoon. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually ended up recruiting, um, I think it was 20 odd volunteers from the, for the new volunteers um, in the under 70 age group who have been, yeah, look, I mean, they've been fantastic. Um, and the, the offers of support for that particular organisation were overwhelming. So, uh, look, I mean, it's great. It just tells you how fantastic the people in Cork are, and I suppose the people in Ireland generally, but we always have to congratulate the people in Cork. Absolutely. So you're going to have a virtual Cork Volunteer Week. How is that going to operate? Oh, OK. Um, so obviously, uh, normally Cork Volunteer Week, we're out and about. And we, you know, have coffee mornings and wellness days and lots of different things. Um, This year, we can't do that in person. And I suppose for the team, that's very disappointing because we love meeting the volunteers and the organisations. We're going to do it virtually. One of the simple things we're asking people to do, if they are an organisation that involves volunteers or if they have benefited from volunteer support or their families have benefited from volunteer support, um, make a short video, uh, post something online to just say thank you and tag uh, at Volunteer Cork in the post. So that's the first thing we're asking people to do. We're asking them to use the hashtag Rebel Response because um, it's our response to COVID-19. And um, so that's, that's the first thing. If any organisation or anyone um, would like to host an event over Zoom or any, you know, or deliver anything online, Please get in touch with Adam at volunteercork.ie and we'll um, add your event to the programme of events. We are going to be delivering mindfulness tips and yoga videos and we have a little little training session organised for uh, volunteer coordinators and how to mind their volunteers and manage their volunteers. Um, But really, it's just, it's a celebration of volunteers and it's us saying thank you. That's the main message that we're trying to get across virtually. Um, but we are open to any and all suggestions if anyone wants to get involved in any way. Um, and we have um, some very prominent people across the city and county have um, thankfully and very gratefully agreed to do some videos for us as well, just recognising the people of Cork, I think, who've who've been so vital in the response to this. So, okay. And generally... I suppose let's not forget the people who've been volunteering all along. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we had a fabulous night last year at the Cork Volunteer Awards Night. Uh, is it going to go ahead again this year? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> In any way, shape or form that we can. So we're opening the nominations on Monday. So if you go to our website, volunteercork.ie, and the tab for the Volunteer Awards would be open on Monday and you can nominate anyone whether they're volunteering in response to COVID-19, 
um, or just continuing to truck on and do what they've you know been doing all along. Um, so anyone can nominate someone on the website, and uh, we're hoping we have categories for across the county and the city. And you remember last year we had board member and and all of that. So we're continuing with that. Look, the awards are happening in October. We have no idea. I suppose like everybody else, how what, our, yeah, our what format it'll take. Yeah. Yeah, but, but let's plan I mean, for it. We're planning for it, and yeah. we have, with the support of yourselves as headline sponsor, and with the support of you know the ETB and Cork City Council and a few more. Um, look, we have the funding for it. So even if it means we deliver those trophies to you in your house, <laughs> and we have some kind of an online ceremony, I think more than ever it's really important to recognise and reward um, the the people who have been helping out. And anyone who is nominated will receive a thank you card from us as well, okay. um, regardless of whether they're successful or not. So look, we'll we'll struggle on, I suppose, as they say, even if we have to do it remotely or virtually, we'll we'll keep going, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully by October, we'll be able to some kind of normality. And people can we'll find can find out more on your website. Absolutely. Yeah, volunteercork.ie. Okay, volunteercork.ie. Stay safe, Julie, and uh, we'll talk soon. And thank you for that. You too, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, Judy Connolly, their manager with the Cork Volunteer Centre. And as I say, we had a fantastic night at the Cork Volunteer Awards last year, and it was lovely to honour volunteers. So uh, please uh, check it out if you know of somebody that you think should be nominated for an award. Now, just quickly before we get Peter on the line to answer your gardening questions, just a quick few uh, texts uh, in. Hi, Patricia. This is on staycation. Last year, our children gave us a present of a mini break to the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. I could didn't promote it enough. There was live music every night. It was only fantastic. Number two, my idea for a staycation is I'd love to see more hotels that have more pet friendly options because before taking any break I always have to get a family member to stay home to look after our other baby the doggy. Dog people will understand my dilemma and what I am talking about. I would be off in the morning if I could bring the dog with me. The hotels we have stayed in in the past were always pet friendly. The owners say that the dog people leave the place far cleaner than the regular guests Hashtag just saying. So I think a lot of people would agree with you on that if there could be more pet friendly options. We might do as we head into the summer season and hopefully if we are encouraging people to staycation, we might try and see if we can come up with and find more pet friendly options for people who can't couldn't even consider leaving home without bringing the pooch with them. 1850-333-103 and this is a teacher responding to the listeners looking for more Zoom video calls for the child and making the point that teachers are not they're on the same cost because they're not driving to school etc and they don't have child minding costs because they're at home with their own children. Teachers back on saying oh my gosh Patricia in response to that text about the Zoom and the video classes firstly there's a big security issue around this and regarding costs saved by teachers I've had to upgrade my Wi-Fi just to continue working from home the installation charge alone was 90 euro never mind Mind the increased monthly direct debit and we get nothing extra for that. 1850-333-103. The, we are looking for your gardening questions, please. Uh, Peter Dowdell joins us after these. Court Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. 
Everyone's daily routine has been affected by COVID-19. It can be tricky, but it's more important than ever to look after our general health. Eating well is a huge part of that. It can be hard to know when to eat, what to eat, and how much to eat at the moment. So try to keep to regular times for three meals and two to three snack breaks a day. Setting an alarm on your phone for the first few days to remind you will help. Whatever your circumstances, what's for dinner can be a daily challenge. Planning meals for the week can make this easier and help you make healthier food choices. The food pyramid is always a good guide and make sure to drink plenty of water. Keeping hydrated is... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So important. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Peter Dowd of the IrishGuardian.com uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and everybody's enjoying the fine weather and garden centres are to reopen next Monday. Happy days. Happy days is right. <laughs> I just hope that, uh, hope that everything stays safe and that it, 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 uh, it continues and we don't, we don't, it doesn't lead to, um, we're all nervous, aren't we? Yeah. So we, we just hope that everything, when the garden centres do reopen, that everything continues safely. Yeah, and there'll have to be, I mean, we're all used to the social distancing now in the supermarkets. The same thing is going to have to happen in the garden centres. It is, I think, and I think from my understanding, I suppose every garden centre, you know, I mean, in fairness to the government, I think they've done quite a good job. They can't legislate for every single instance. So I think uh, individual garden centres are going to have to come up with their own individual situations. Like, I think I know some of them are only going to allow one person in the till area at a time and things like this. So it will be a bit different to what we've been used to. But, like, everything is different at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The one thing about garden centres that I find when I visit a garden centre, you can while away a couple of hours without even realising it. I think we're going to have to change our minds on that. You need to go into the garden centre, know what you need to get and buy and just and get out there and, and leave for the next person. You do, and you need to, you need to, we, we I'm not, I shouldn't say he, but we all need to, you're, you're exactly right, Trish, because we need to pay attention. Like the days that, you know, we can't be picking up plants and touching them and feeling them and putting them back because, you know, this is how illness, illness spreads, as we know. So we, we kind of have to keep our hands in our pocket and, and go and get what we need and, and move on. As you say, yeah, I don't think that means that you're going to have to be as instant as you are in the supermarket. I, I do think you're going to be obviously able to chat and talk and all the rest of it to, to whoever's there and get advice. But just be careful about picking up things and putting them back down, obviously. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get straight into questions. A number of people are on about having a problem with green fly, uh, including uh, Sheila. Uh, what's how do you get rid of green fly? Yeah, I've had a lot of inquiries myself during the week on, on social media with the same. A lot of aphids and green flies coming in now, and that it's the time of the year for it. So you have a couple of options. The first thing I would urge everybody is not to reach for the, the chemical insecticide. Do not uh, immediately, as soon as the garden centers are open again, they'll go out and get some, some nasty pesticide and spray it. Because whilst they may kill the green fly, and they may not, depending on what you're getting, but they will certainly have a detrimental effect on bees and, and other pollinators that we want in the garden, we need in the garden. So don't reach for the insecticide first thing. Preventative, and I've often spoken about it, Trish, with you, prevent the green fly attacking by using a, a garlic wash. Now, a quick Google search online will, will, will give you ingredients and recipes for garlic wash. Basically what you're doing is you're pulping a few cloves of garlic, uh, a litre or two of hot water or boiling water on top, leave it outside, leave it leave it sit for, for a day or so, uh, and then dilute that garlic concentrate with water, depending on how much you've used, as I say, a Google search will tell you the rate, uh, and spray it onto your plants. And what that does is it, it makes plants completely unpalatable to, to aphids and to caterpillars and to other pests while obviously not harming or doing any harm at all in the garden. And that's probably the best way, because if, if you can work with the natural balance in the garden, so in other words, if you can avoid killing anything, well, then now you see you've, you've now left the green fly there, which is a, a food source for the predators, like the, the, the bees, or not the bees, the ladybirds and things like that. Which so you need in to, the garden. Exactly. So you, the, the natural balance will start to control itself, and you'll you'll be left with no unnatural build-up of, of any one species if we use less and less chemicals. Okay. So using garlic as a preventative is a great way to go. Uh, with, with many of them, I had a question yesterday about lupins. Now, unfortunately, lu- the lupin aphid, the lupin green fly, is something that ladybirds won't see. Best course of action there, and this may apply to, to the collar as well, if it's on a rose or something like that, just go with the sectaires and prune off the worst infected shoots, and that takes the majority of the, the green fly with it. So garlic washes the preventative, hose it with, the, with the, just a, quite a strong hose, so that will physically get them off or, or prune them off. And then after that, if none of that is working, there are organic insecticides available containing pyrethrum. Uh, they're still not 100% safe for the bees, so I'm slow to use them, but they, they are much, much better than the chemical ones. Okay, I'm going to put two questions together because they may be related. Margaret says, question for Peter, please. I have two small dahlias and three marigolds in a window box doing fine until yesterday. I noticed in the afternoon that they were all gone black overnight. It must have been the frost from the night before. Are they completely gone? I've put them into the garage. I hope they will recover. Uh, that's from Margaret. And then somebody else says, hi, this is Eileen. Why are the leaves and buds after turning black on my hydrangea? It always flowers beautifully. Would that be frost related as well? I'll deal with the hydrangea first. I would say very most likely. Now, I have, we didn't have a frost where I am over the last couple of we, days. We so I, certainly in North Cork we did. I was de-icing my car. Okay, wow. Okay, and I knew I know it was forecast, So, and it has been gorgeous, clear days. So I'm not surprised. So yes, I would say with both questions, yes, frost is the answer. Now, the hydrangea, you have nothing to worry about. It'll grow through it. Excuse me, Trish. It'll grow through it and it'll come on again. Fine. With the, the dahlias and the marigolds in the window box, it's impossible to say, I'm afraid, without seeing it, whether or not they'll come back. I imagine they will, but without seeing it, I can't say for certain. When you're dealing, but it's, it's a kind of apt question at this time of the year, because the old saying, never cast a clout till May is out, which was to do with, you know, don't put on the summer clothes until May is finished, because she can always have a sting in her tail. And, well, and Saturday into it. Sunday, 22 degrees, and then down to 12 the next day, 10 degrees of a difference. It's huge, isn't it? 
it. And that this can do damage to plants. And if it goes in from, from 12 to zero overnight, that, that'll do untold damage. So you do need to be careful at this time of year when you're moving hanging basket and window box plants outside. Uh, do it carefully and do it gradually. So if you're getting them in a garden centre, you'd expect that they've been hardened off. If you're getting them in a supermarket or, or indoor area, or if you've grown them yourself indoors, you do have to be very careful. Move them out for a few hours each day, gradually getting longer each day for about five or six days until they're acclimatised. Even with that, if, if it's going to zero, you'd have to be careful. Um, whether or not they're going to come back, I don't know, I'm afraid, without seeing it. I wouldn't leave them in the garage completely now, move them out again for a few hours each day, introduce them to the sunlight, five or six hours each day, getting longer. And if the nights aren't going to be frosty, you could you could then leave them out again. Okay, could Peter recommend, what is the best all-round plant food? And um, Could he recommend a creeping perennial plant slash flowers for a rockery? The, the best plant food, I would say, the general purpose, you have two. The liquid one, the nature-safe liquid one, which is an Irish one, I'm glad to say, it's made up in Galway. Uh, it's, it's a liquid using seaweed, cold-pressed seaweed from, from, from Galway, from the Connemara coast. And it's an excellent one, nature-safe Atlantic seaweed food, it's called. And it really, really is. It's a general plant tonic, probably the best you can get. And they also do a granular one, nature-safe granular. And, of course, both of them are totally organic. Uh, and they're also vegan, vegan-friendly because there's no animal byproducts in them. They, that'd be the best plant food to have in, in the locker, as I say, as a kind of general go-to one. Uh, and a creeping, a creeping plant, a creeping perennial, is, you know, for alpine, alpine plants is what you're looking at there in, in terms of the creeping for a rockery. There's loads of them to choose from, and I do, I do adore the alpines because they're such great colour at this time of year. Look for things like maybe Saxifraga, one of my own favourites is the Campanula, that purple one that you'd, you'd even see it growing in cracks in walls, and I just love it. Aubrecia is another one. Uh, Serastium, or it's also called Snow in Summer. There really are dozens to choose from, Trish, but they're great value plants. OK, Mary, who signs herself from the Wild West. Uh, wallflowers are absolutely stunning this year. How far back can I cut them after flowering? Well, with wallflowers, perennial wallflowers in particular, can be... Can be <laughs> one to answer because when is after flowering they flower for nearly 12 months of the year so my advice would be to, to you know regularly trim them back so you can cut them back quite hard and it, I would encourage you to cut them back quite hard because otherwise they'll just get very leggy and very woody and then you have to throw them out after a year or two so after flowering whenever that is cut them back as hard as you can but making sure that you're leaving foliage beneath where you cut so in other words if you cut all the leaves off and you're just left with stems it will probably die so cut off the dead flower stems cut off a good bit of the foliage but make sure you're leaving some foliage behind on the plant Alan says hi uh, Peter whether it was the frost or not that we had this week could it have killed off my potatoes the leaves have wilted on most of the plants could they make a comeback or should I just dig them up and start again no I'd say they will make a comeback I would imagine Provided he, I would hope that he has been earthing them up, which means that just the tip of the foliage will have been exposed to the frost. So in that case, I'd be very surprised if they didn't. Uh, like, it, it, well, if you were de-icing the car, then it was cold enough, okay. But no, I'd expect they'd be fine. I, w- I certainly wouldn't lift them and start again yet. It, it's too early to be anything like blight. It is frost damage, I would say. Uh, I, I, I would just 
cross my fingers and, and, and wait and see. I'd say they'll come again. OK, and Eileen in Clonakilty must be green with envy with Mary from the Wild West talking about her gorgeous wallflowers because Eileen says, my wallflowers are like twigs with flowers on top, little or no leaves. What should I do about them? This is the way they've been for the second year. You see, this, this, is, this is why, in fact, that the pruning, the regular pruning is so important because they get leggy and woody like that with just a few flowers on top if you don't. So all I can say to Eileen is give them a feed. In fact, give them a feed with the Nature Safe liquid, the seaweed one that I was talking about. That will drive them on. Trim them back. I'm being very careful to say trim them. Um, you're only going to be able to take an inch or two off. And what you're doing by doing that is encouraging some some greenery down lower in the plant to come on, to regenerate. But I'll be honest with you, if they've got to that stage, I'd nearly, I'd nearly encourage you just just get some fresh ones, get some new ones. Yeah. Uh, Anne in Bantry says, Peter, could you recommend a good, strong rhubarb? I have some in my garden. It's looking well at the moment. Green leaves and all of that. It gets farmyard manure, seaweed, and I'm looking after them well. But the sticks are very thin, almost as thin as my finger. Which would you recommend, could you recommend for big sticks of rhubarb? Could it be that I purchased a poor quality plant? It could be, but it's, it's, it could be, certainly. The, the two that I would grow, one is Timperley Early, which is a lovely one, and the other is Champagne, which is kind of a nice red one. They're two nice ones. They do plump up quite well for me. But again, it's to do with the soil. And if you can get a seaweed mulch onto the soil, particularly over the winter, it's just actual seaweed from, from, from the beach, um, and put that on it. They are quite hungry feeders. Seaweed is something that they do like. So again, if that's not possible, use that nature-safe seaweed that I was talking about, this liquid seaweed. Um, and that should plump them up. Give them. It's all more. It's more about the soil, I would say, and the feeding and what you're giving them than it is about the variety. It could be indeed that you got a weak plant, but if you did, hopefully giving them the right conditions of the soil now will plump them up. Uh, mulch them with seaweed, even a bit of farmyard manure in the winter. Just improve that soil, improve the structure of the soil, improve the nutrient, uh, uh, the, the nutrient availability in the soil, and that will lead to better, better, stronger stems. Okay, and Jim in Glanmire wrote a letter to the programme uh, with a question for Peter. He's got six apple trees in a small garden. Now, you're not going to be happy with this. He wants to know, can you use Gallop or Roundup to control control briars and scutch grass? Uh, He said, if I sprayed it very carefully following the instructions, um, would it harm the trees or the apple growth? Well, I was delighted, first of all, to hear that the Glanmire man, because I'm from Glanmire. I know, but then to hear that he wants to spray Roundup. Uh, yeah, but so, so at least there's good literacy rates left in Glanmire. But uh, in terms of using Roundup or, or Gallop, no, I wouldn't encourage using them at all, uh, and particularly not near fruit trees. The, the jury's out whether or not it would be taken in by the root system and, and into the fruit, but I certainly wouldn't be risking it, I'm afraid. OK, Miriam Bandon, could you ask Peter, please? We set winter onions and there is over half of them starters. Is the soil short of something? What can I do? I've sat spring onions and I'm afraid the same is going to happen to them. I don't know what you're talking about. They said they sold winter onions and half of them what? Half of them starters. Whatever that means. I don't know. No. I, wonder, I presume he means bolted, maybe. Maybe I it's bolted, yeah. Maybe it's uh, bolted. In which case it would mean that the soil is too dry. They would bolt set seed when the soil is too dry. Very early for that to happen. Um, so I don't know if that, if that is what it is. And in other words, if they've set seed and they've, got, they've gone to, they've bolted, then just again try mulching them and try increasing the soil so more moisture retention to them. Um, I would say, 
I, I just don't know if that's what it means because it is very she early can, in the season for that to happen. She can get back, Mary. It's Mary Bannon. She can back on to us next week because I have to leave it there. Have a great week. Thank and you, uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Enjoy the garden. Take Cheers. care. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, the IrishGardener.com. Before I go uh, quickly in on some uh, texts, Patricia, as a parent of three teachers, I can tell you they are working as hard now and much harder than most days. They're exhausted every day. One of them is a national teacher. She's 32 children in her class. Can you imagine dealing with 32 senior infants and parents are complaining because they have to deal with homework for two or three children when they're in the classroom. Those teachers have to deal with so much more. Okay, and I can see a lot of people are agreeing with the caller who was suggesting staycations with doggies in mind. There seems to be a huge opening there for hotels that will allow pets. That's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls today. Thank you to everybody who contributed to the programme. Nick Richards is with you. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 onto the nine Patricia Messenger. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The impact of COVID-19 on our economy and employment has been sudden and will be enormous. The Irish government recently announced new and unprecedented measures to assist those who have already experienced job loss as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and to protect those who are still in employment. If you work in essential health, social care or other essential services and cannot work from home, you can work and travel to work. In all other situations, employees must work from home. In some cases, it will not be possible to work from home. Your employer can continue to pay you under the temporary COVID-19 wage subsidy scheme while you are temporarily laid off from work or working fewer hours. Or you may be able to apply for a social welfare payment like the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment. For more information, request a callback from the Citizens Information Service. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.